hungtgirl.com. Click to enable the Adobe Flash Player. It's free to do it. And the videos will automatically start playing for you. Just like that. Uh, you can check out me and my friends and um, see this side of me. Um, well, on the other pages, you can check out the physical, sexual, that side of me and see me and my friends naked, if that's what you're looking for. You can um, get a subscription, make a donation, or just enjoy the free content. All of the above are very much appreciated. I thank you for that. You can also see what's on the screen here and also um, on the links there on the left. The Naked, the Living Water Chapel pages and the Naked Truth pages. If you click on those, you'll get a better idea of what it is we do here. Uh, and that is go over the spiritual side of me. And I believe we all have one that exists in us, whether we embrace it and indulge it or nourish it and neglected it. Um, I still believe it's there. So for me, it goes down, it boils down to Christianity and not just the basic sense of go to church every Sunday. That's not what Christianity is about. Jesus never actually even said that. But um, actually paying attention to what Jesus has to say about different things. Um, because what he actually says about different things is very different than what churches will tell you, what your family will tell you, what you may believe yourself, and absolutely different than the other things written in the Bible. Um, and as a Christian, Jesus should get the last word on anything don't you think since that's why he was sent if we're you're a believer that's what um you're called to believe so anyway um that's what we do here on the naked truth to pick up with where we left off we're in the book of luke almost done with it we've already finished matthew and mark and i'm sorry yeah matthew and mark and john um and we're just about done with luke um and Revelation and the Acts. So we're done with all the books in the Bible that had anything about what Jesus had to say in them. Um, period. So we're going to pick up at Luke chapter 22 where we left off. Well, this is the passage that stood out to me from that reading. Um, and it's one I think that deals with um, something that isn't um, or is often misunderstood. Um, and, you know, people teach different things about it. Um, and the subject would be suicide. People will teach that suicide is a ticket straight to hell and that it's an unforgivable sin. The Bible doesn't say either one of those things, so just so you know that. And in fact, you have an example of someone who commits suicide and does not go to hell. Um, and that would be Judas. And here's the description of it. In this passage, you know, Judas is one of the 12 disciples, the one um, who most prominently did, um, betrayed Jesus before the crucifixion, but he wasn't the only one who betrayed Jesus. Um, Peter, for instance, but the others also um, scattered and uh, left him, also deserted him. So um, Judas wasn't alone. And Judas, it says, committed suicide in uh, the Gospels. And so you, many people would think, oh, that means he goes to hell. But this verse here, this passage, um, belies that. And this is these are Jesus' words. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed one upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So it lets us know he's talking to the twelve disciples, otherwise well, there would need to be twelve thrones. And this is the hereafter that he's describing, and we know one of the twelve was Judas. So clearly Judas makes it into the kingdom, even though he committed suicide. So don't let other people's dogma 
hang on to you. I mean, they're not trying to say that you should go out and commit suicide. I think if you feel that way, you should get help wherever you can find it. And there's free help available if you need it. Um, but don't let thinking going you're going to burn in hell be the reason to, um, uh, to, to not do it. Uh, especially if you're in that state of mind and feeling desperate already. Don't let, don't think that God doesn't understand it. Um, your heart and what's on it and your emotions. So anyway, we're going to pick up at Luke chapter 23 now. Um, here we go. And we're probably going to go through this one pretty quick because like, it's almost the end. And so Jesus' words and teachings are sort of winding down. So when, here we go. Um, then the whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate. They're talking about Jesus. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ the King. So you know that's a lie. That um, he told them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar, and to God the things that are God's, when it came to paying the taxes. So you know that they're not even um, starting with the truth. For the case they're bringing against him. And you know that's nothing new. You see how those officers were acquitted of breaking into that woman's house. And killing her, Breonna Taylor. And not even charged with murder. You know that would not happen if she were not black. If she were white, there would be charges immediately. Not months and months later to even see if there are charges. And then not bring any. It's outrageous. And then for them to use a token as the spokesperson and think that that makes it okay and that black people will accept it more easily because you put a black um, attorney general or prosecutor out in front of it, it doesn't make it okay. It's still just as evil and still just as corrupt and still just as indefensible. And if you call yourself a Christian or and you're trying to live by the whole Bible, you've got to know there's a proverb that says those who what is it those who condemn the wicked and those who justify wait those who condemn the just and those who justify the wicked both alike are an abomination to the lord something like that in proverbs so don't think that just because you do that and say oh i'm christian i'm free to do these things you're not jesus's god is still gonna require an account of it especially if you call yourself a christian and call yourself godly and call yourself holy God's going to pay attention to that. It'd be different if you were just lawless and not paying attention to anything godly. But to go out and proclaim to be and be a hypocrite, that's despicable, as Daffy would say. Then Pilate asked him, um, and also Jesus wasn't going around saying, hey, I'm Christ the King. Not at all. There's nowhere in the Bible where you can see, point out where he was going around doing that either. So these are trumped up charges that they're bringing, that they brought against him to um, crucify him. And you can read in more in depth about it um, with the Saturday night readings there, um, the Gospel of Nicodemus, the Acts of Pilate. And you can see just how bloodthirsty the crowd was that was um, out to crucify him and didn't. Then Pilate asked him, saying, are you the king of the Jews? So he's asking him point blank, are you their king? Is Are you proclaiming yourself to be a king? Of course, that would be um, a sedition or treason to that'd be like you saying, Hey, I'm the president and deciding to take over. That wouldn't be tolerated ordinarily. Although nowadays the president himself ignores the law and gets away with it. So how can anyone else really be expected to remain a lawful stance when the head of the law enforcement isn't and gets away with it? So anyway, um, so Jesus answers him. He answered him and said, it is as you say. So he didn't say yes. He didn't say no. He said, it is as you say. Basically affirming, saying, 
Yes, I'm the king. If you if that's what you're saying, it's as you say, I'm the king of the Jews. And uh, but in a sense of Jesus saying it, he's not saying it as in the yeah, I'm the ruler over these people. He's saying I'm the king of the Jews as I'm the king to come who came from them, as in um, Lawrence of Arabia. That doesn't mean he's Lawrence over all of Arabia. It means he's from Arabia or um, Venus de Milo, the days of. She's not over all of Milo. <laughs> she's from there. So same thing. He's from the Jews or from man as in um when they say son of man he's from humanity um not of them but also you understand what i say i think you understand what i'm saying so Pilate said to the chief priest and crowd i find no fault in him so the judge is not seeing why they're bringing charge bringing charges against them but they were the more fierce saying he stirs up the people teaching throughout all judea beginning from galilee to this place so they're saying they can't keep him quiet. He's going all around spreading his message and they can't stand it. And when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked if the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. Now, when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad for he had desired for a long time to see him because he had heard many things about him and he hoped to see some miracle done by him so rather than take it up and it'd be just like if you go to court and you don't get what you feel is justice and you appeal it it goes up to the next highest court it moves jurisdiction uh, all the way up to the supreme court in this case they are already um caesar would be i guess the supreme ruler to get your case to go all the way up to but that's not happening here but it, he's trying to pass off the judgment because he sees they want blood he doesn't see a cause for that so he's fig maybe he figures if i send you to him maybe he'll get him to talk some sense into you and say he doesn't deserve to die speaking of jesus or if you feel he does deserve to die let the blood be on his hands not on his um Let's see. Scroll down. Uh, okay. Okay. Now, when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad for he had desired for a long time to see him because he had heard many things about him and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. Then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him so um they're throwing accusations against jesus about um his message and his mission and um jesus isn't answering to it and that's to fulfill a prophecy also that um he opened not his mouth i think that's from the book of psalms also it's talking about the suffering of the messiah who was to come jesus um let's see um then herod with his men with his men of war treated him with contempt and mocked him arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate that very day Pilate and Herod became friends with each other for previously they had been at enmity with each other so um the fact that they're both over the trial of Jesus was the thing that um brought them together um made this, <laughs> them killing him is um making strange bedfellows as they say um so anyway they've become friends now over the fact that jesus is about to die 
every day Pilot and Hera became friends and with each other for previously they had been at enmity with each other so in that sense I guess Jesus at least brought peace between those two um let's see then Pilate when he had called together the chief priests the rulers of the and the people said to them you've brought this man to me as one who misleads the people and indeed having examined him in your presence I found no fault in this man concerning those things of which you accuse him no neither did Herod for I sent you back to him and indeed nothing deserving of death has been done by him I will therefore chastise him and release him for it was necessary for him to release one to them at the feast so he's basically saying here I'm going to go ahead and pardon Jesus because um, I don't find him guilty um, you know that's not how it's going to go and they all cried out at once saying away with this man and release to us Barabbas who had been thrown into prison for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder so it'd be just like someone arrested now protesting um and if a, a death happened in the process or murder which that they've happened but it's usually not the protesters doing the killing it's the police doing more killing along the way um it's crazy but it's not new and so you see here um they're um they have a choice the riotous barabbas or jesus and he's uh let's see Pilate, therefore wishing to release Jesus, again called out to them, but they shouted, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And then he said to them the third time, Why, what evil has he done? I've found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. So G um, Pilate, the governor, the judge in this case, basically is saying he doesn't see why they want to kill Jesus and he doesn't find him guilty of anything worthy of death. So he says he... Uh, rather let him go but they were insistent demanding with loud voices that he be crucified and the voices of these men and of the chief priests prevailed so Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested and he released to them the one they requested who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison and but he delivered Jesus to their will. So some Bibles will translate this insurrect, this um, rebellion as insurrection or riot. And so you get the idea. It's basically an uprising. Of, it'd be like the protests now. Um, it'd be in comparison. That'd be comparable to it from the way it's described here, in my mind. Let me see. Now, as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man. They're talking about Jesus now, because uh, they've already let the Barabbas go. Simon, a Cyrenian, who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And a great multitude of the people followed him, and women who also mourned and lamented him. Um, so it's Jesus is being crucified now and it's a huge crowd following along watching it happen and it just seems crazy with all the healings and the miracles that it that there'd be enough people to outnumber those people who even if they didn't get the healings witnessed them um, that the people who shouting who are shouting crucify him would be able to prevail over him but it's not that strange when you consider the MAGA base of the president basically it's 37 40 something ish percent of the voting public 
Um, so that's not a majority yet because they're vocal. They get their way. They get to go around and protest with loaded armed guns, shouting in the police's face with a pandemic going on, yelling and shouting and swearing at the police. The police stand there and smile because they're this color. So it's no issue. There's no insurrection, no riot, no fear. Um, but if you're this color, you don't have to have a gun and you can show up and don't even have to show up and the police may shoot you out of fear and get away with it in the past. God willing, that's ended. Hopefully that's ended. Hopefully there's true equality and an accounting. Um, I mean, it's basic. If you can see someone being shot being is as being someone being shot. You're, you'd be calling a spade a spade, no matter who the victim is and no matter who the shooter is. I mean, a spade is still a spade. And a great multitude of the people followed him, and women who also mourned in a minute. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. So you have all the people, the few people who do still support Jesus, and notice it's the women, it's not the disciples, they forsook him and fled, for the most part. So you have the women there still following along, who have the nerve to um, be faithful, um, not the men, but um, the men get the renown. The men are the ones whose names are remembered and um, sanctified, turned into saints, sanctified, I guess it would be, and called saints and things, the men, even though they deserted Jesus, not only, not one time, not just one time. Um, so anyway, the women are there and Jesus has a message for him. He's telling them, don't cry for me, uh, cry for yourself. For indeed, the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren, wombs that never bore, and breasts which never nurse. So that goes to another prophecy that Jesus gave about the end times coming. But also, um, before he gave the end time prophecy, I think we just went over that reading in Luke. I'm sorry, in um, Matthew, I think is where we're at with that one. Um, but anyway, um, where we, he told them that um, some things that were going to happen, um, he told them the temple was going to be destroyed. He said they'd be persecuted and delivered up and killed, and those things happened. And then one of the things in that prophecy he said was that um, um, woe to those who are pregnant and nursing mothers at that time. And it was because, and it, history says it. And after Jesus gave that prophecy, after Jesus was crucified and uh, ascended, as we believers believe, um, some 30, 40 years later, the uh, temple there was sought and destroyed, and the city was surrounded. The people were besieged and driven into desperation to the point where they were eating their children, eating each other, cannibalism. And so I think that's what Jesus is pointing to uh, for them, and he's telling it to them specifically. Because um, he says, daughters of Jerusalem. So he's letting them know, he, we're not talking about the whole wide world. As some teachers will try and say, this is talking about the end times when Jesus comes again. And how, maybe, but he says the daughters of Jerusalem. He's not saying the whole world. Revelation points to a time similar like that. And Jesus also says at another time, when uh, a similar thing in another place in the Gospels. But here he's specifically saying them. And I think that's why. Um... For indeed the days are coming which they will say blessed are the barren. Yeah, so that's I think that's why because um, you won't have to be torn between that choice between starvation and eating your children. Then they will begin to say to the mountains fall. And I'm going to read the rest of it because you can see what it says. And to the 
Hills cover, and you can see what it says. Um, and, and if you've read with me before, you know why, because I wouldn't want to call that down on myself, but you can see what they're, what he's saying they're going to be doing. They're going to be calling down that on themselves, hoping basically in, the, in, in, in that moment, praying for death, wishing that things are so, things are going to be so desperate and hard to deal with for people that they'd rather be dead. And he's saying that's where they're going to end up. That it's going to, times are going to be so hard that they're going to be praying for the mountains to fall on them and for the hills to cover them. For if they do these things in the greenwood, what will they do in the dry? So he's saying if they're doing this, why? The greenwood would be a healthy, fresh tree that's still bearing fruit and still, um, you know, goes through the season. When it's not green anymore, it starts to get old, die, rot, and die. Die and rot. I think it's in that order. Die and then rot. Um it's not green anymore but when it's green it's still alive and bearing fruit so i think what jesus is saying they have me right here with them right now an experience the that the world to come is going to wish they could have had to be able to walk with jesus and see the miracles for ourselves and experience his words and his teachings and everything for ourselves he's saying they they have the benefit of that and look what's happening they have the green tree right there living bearing fruit right in front of them and they're killing it. They're chopping down the tree. And he's saying, he's saying, so what do you think is going to happen once that tree leaves them? Once there's nobody around to do those miracles, to give us the teaching, to give us those teachings, to give us those words, to give that guidance. He's saying, it's going to be some tough times coming. There were also two others, criminals led with him to be... put to death. So more people, two more people sent with the death penalty there. Uh, so, you know, that's not anything new also. Um, and when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. So Jesus is even at that moment still um, has a heart of compassion to think about the fact that people are doing hateful things, but they're doing them in ignorance. They don't realize what they're doing is fulfillment of, of prophecy that came way before them. What they mean to do is fulfill their own hateful desires in killing their opposition. But they don't realize the big picture. They don't see the big picture that God does. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And again, that's another fulfillment of a prophecy from Psalms where it says that that's what's going to happen to the Messiah when he comes. And it happened. And the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Christ, the chosen of God. So you have the religious people standing around saying, Well, if he's so powerful, why, does, why doesn't he help himself? He's able to save other people. Why does he save himself? They don't think about, that's exactly what he told them they were going to say back when he started his ministry uh, and read from their own holy books to them and let them know that that day, that moment, that prophecy is being fulfilled in their hearing and then there would be a day coming when they're going to say, physician, save yourself. And they don't realize, hey, he told us this was going to happen too. They don't realize that at all. They're caught up in the moment. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, 
in Hebrew, this is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you're the Christ, save yourself and us. So now you can picture Jesus up on the cross with two people on either, one person on either side of him, so three all together up there. And now Jesus has uh, been killed, crucified, and his uh, inscription up over his head. And um, it, if you've seen it in movies, they usually write it as I-N-R-I, it looks like Henry. And as the best I can figure out how, what that means is the I also can pass for a J. So it'd be Jesus and then the N of Nazareth. And the R is Ray, R-E-Y, which translates to King. Which is funny because that's actually my name and my brother's name. Um, but that translates to King and that's what the R would be. And then the other I is Jews, Judas, uh, Jews. So that's why it would be I-N-R-I, I believe. Um, then one of the criminals who were hanging blasphemed him, saying, "If you're the Christ, save yourself and us." So you could see that one of the people who one of the people who were crucified also is still thinking, and it, it makes sense. He's hanging up on the cross, going through the death penalty. He's saying, "Hey, if you're if you have that kind of power, like you're being crucified for, then why don't you go ahead and save yourself? And while you're at it, save me too." But the other answering rebuked him, saying. So these are the two criminals who are uh, crucified with Jesus having a discourse. Do you not even fear God, seeing you're under the same condemnation? So he's saying, are you really that bold that you're not afraid to even uh, talk smack to God, seeing that you're both hanging on the cross? And so it shows you that the other person who's crucified also is recognizing that Jesus has the power. Because the other criminal, criminal who's been hung with them, a crucified with him also realized that he has the power but he's saying if you have that power so sort of doubting it but saying if you do have it save yourself and me too the other one who's been crucified knows jesus has the power for sure but he also looks at it a different way he realizes that they're killing someone who's doing nothing but good and um right alongside two people who are known to be evildoers and that he can see the in un, um the injustice in that even though he's the one hanging up there. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. That be, um, we reap what we sow. He's telling them, we did what we had. We, They did the crime, now they're doing the time for it, is what they're saying, paying the price for it. But, it's, but he's recognizing that Jesus hasn't done anything wrong, and yet he's facing the same fate that they are. Excuse me. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So he's uh, not asking to, Lord, take me down off the cross and absolve me of the punishment for the crimes I committed and what's landed me where I am today. He's not asking that like the other person. He's saying it's a just end for him considering what he's done. And he's saying, but don't let that be the end. After that, Remember me when you come into your kingdom in the hereafter is basically what he's saying. And this next verse is a verse that's often overread and contradicted by many churches that claim to be Christian churches. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So that's a huge statement for a few reasons. That means right then, that day, he's saying, is paradise. That's the moment. Right then, when he dies, 
that's when you pass over into that other place, the paradise. And that says more than um, just what it says right there because he doesn't say heaven and hell here. He said paradise. And we know specifically this is different than heaven because in another place in the Gospels, Jesus will say, don't cling to me for I have not yet ascended up to my father. But here he's saying very clearly that that day right at the crucifix when he passes you go to paradise but not all three of them because why would he need to say that they why would he need to say it to one if everybody goes there so we know that that's not the case from luke 16 um where he talks about the two people who died one goes not to hell he doesn't call it hell at all he calls it hades and he's not saying this is heaven either he's calling this paradise so it seems that when people die according to jesus if you been ratchet you go to hades and it's it he describes it as a place of torment and um fire is what jesus describes it as but he doesn't describe it as hell i mean he doesn't name it as hell uh and if you've been righteous judged righteous when you die apparently you go to paradise as jesus is naming it here he doesn't name it in luke but he does say that lazarus when he died not the one who he resurrected but another lazarus when he died he uh, was taken to Abraham's bosom is what it's called there. And um, so Abraham is an Old Testament person before Jesus came along who's made it to that same paradise, that same place where Lazarus is, that same place where Jesus is going, that same place where the one who converted on the cross and believed in Jesus is going. But not everyone's going there. So that lets us know there's more than one path when people pass away. Not everyone goes to the same place. Otherwise, again, there'd be no 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 need for Jesus to tell him that you're going to be with me in paradise if everybody goes there. That'd be a ridiculous statement to make. But the bigger thing, like I said, is to notice that he's not going to God. And in Luke 16, God is not mentioned there either when they pass away. It's not like when they die, they get an instant audience with God. It's not like that according to Jesus. Um and even here, like I said, there's no mention of God there either, but it is called paradise, so at least that implies it's not the place of um, torment. Now, it was, and then Jesus talks about hell in another place, and he doesn't call it Hades, but he talks about it as hell when he's talking to the religious leaders, and he condemns their hypocrisy and tells them how can they escape the uh, condemnation of hell. So that lets you know. Uh, hell and Hades may be the same place. Heaven and paradise may be the same place. But God is not mentioned by Jesus in being in any of those places. Uh, now it was about the sixth hour and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. So that would be from noon till about three o'clock in the afternoon. Then the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. So it was an eclipse in the midday. And the veil, that's basically the curtain that divides, if you think about a church, if you think about the general area of the church, it divides the general area from a holier area of the church or a more sacred area of the church, basically. And again, it's not a church, it's a temple or a synagogue, but you get the idea. Um, and But that veil, that division, because that's what the curtain is for, is to keep people out unless you're sanctified and uh, qualified and ordained to go through there and approach God the way is was the way that religion was set up um so it was limited you couldn't do it only the high priest could and only certain times um of the year 
is what I became evolved, what it evolved to be. But again, it was torn in two from that moment when Jesus was uh, died on the cross. And then we know that that religion itself, that sect of the religion that survives today, um, ended in around 70 AD with the destruction of the temple. The whole Pharisees, Sadducees, that basically ended. And you can Wikipedia yourself and see. And when Jesus would, had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I command my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So that's Jesus dying on the cross. And um, interesting last words here are that he's um, giving his spirit to God. And the spirit, notice he doesn't say soul. He says spirit. And I think there's it's different. It may be the same, it may be different, but the spirit, according to Proverbs, it says the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, lighting all, searching all the inner depths of his heart. So it seems like the spirit is the part that looks for the good in people or, you know, uncovers the bad. But um, it's that light. That's what the spirit part is, it seems, that it looks. And um, the soul, it seems to be like what's in you, in each of us. Um, let's see. So Jesus basically dying at that moment. He breathed his last. So when the centurion saw what had happened and no, he glorified God saying, certainly this was a righteous man. Um, when, and, the whole, and the whole crowd who came together to that site, seeing what had been done, beat their breasts and returned. But all, so it seems now they're all broken up and heartbroken over seeing Jesus die on the cross even though they were the ones shouting crucify him. So it's almost as if they were doing that to see if at some moment he's going to come down off the Clark cross or burst forward with his power and overcome all of them. And they were like, well, maybe this is what it takes to bring it about. But that's not what it took. So now they're all probably like confused and wondering what's going on. We just killed our hope. It's crazy. Um, but all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood, a di stood at, a dis at a distance watching these things. Um, now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and just man. He had not consented to their decision. Indeed, he was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. So, you know, this is the same Joseph of Arimathea that we're reading about in, uh, on our Saturday night, Sunday morning reading there in the Gospel of Nicodemus, the um, Acts of Pilate. It's that same Joseph. And some preachers will use twist this. They'll add to the word stuff that's not there. Nowhere does it say that Joseph is Jesus' uncle or Mary's uncle. doesn't say it at all, but some preachers will preach that he is. It doesn't say that at all. And they'll say that Joseph got Jesus' body because he's his uncle. It doesn't say that at all. They'll say he's there. he was the kinsman redeemer, the nearest of kin, basically. The Bible specifically says he's not. It says that Jesus had brothers and sisters and his mother. So any of them could have claimed it. So but preachers will add things to what's there to keep you coming back searching in confusion, but keep you coming back. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock where no one had ever lain before. So we know from our Saturday night readings, after he did that, 
the other because he's one of the Pharisees, Sadducees. He's among the religious leaders. We know from that reading, after he did that, they weren't pleased. They didn't like the fact that he's one of them, yet uh, claiming the body of Jesus and um, and making sure it has a decent burial. Not only a decent burial, but a fancy rich man's type burial in a, a sepulcher hewn out like carved out of rock type thing not just dumped in the ground so they didn't like that and they arrested joseph and um locked him up and as we're reading saturday night we know what happened there uh he escaped like and they didn't understand how because there were no windows and it was guarded um anyway that's saturday night then he took it down wrapped it in linen and lay and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock let me read that again. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock, where no one had ever lain before. That day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew near. Uh, so this lets you know um, the preparation day is basically the day before the Sabbath day, which is the holy day, rest day. Nowadays, for Christians, it's like usually Saturday or Sunday. For people in this religion, I believe it's sunset um, Friday night and then that's when it begins but it could be sunset Saturday I'm not sure but anyway it's their holy day of rest the day to rest that's what the Sabbath is and but you have the day before it to prepare as in make sure you have enough food and provisions to make it through the rest day so that you don't have to do any work on that day because you're required to rest that way day was the preparation the Sabbath drew near okay let's see and the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. So um, the women are there through the end, through all the tough spots, through um, the crucifixion and afterwards. They're making sure his body's taken care of, and um, put away properly with the spices and stuff and the, wrapped in the strips of linen and that's most likely something pick, they picked up from the 400 years they spent in Africa and again that's also in the Bible you can read it in Exodus where the whole nation um, blossomed there in Africa um, before they were delivered from slavery there so anyway that's the end of this reading I hope it was a blessing for you and I hope you'll join me again we um it's wednesday so we're finishing up the book of luke on mondays we're finishing up the book of matthew and like i said saturday night early sunday mornings we're going over the um gospel of nicodemus the acts of Pilate. that will give you more details than are than are listed here um in the bible about the crucifixion in the meantime take care of yourself wear your mask wash your hands and love your neighbor thanks again god bless you peace oh and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it. Apparently, it looks like, it appears, I was wrong. The president seems to be healthy as a horse and alive, even though I haven't seen any public appearances where he's actually speaking and haven't seen his crazy tweets. And his grammar seems to be getting really, really good all of a sudden for someone sick with COVID. I haven't, didn't see any typos in his tweets. Um, but, so, maybe he's around. If he is, God bless him. If he isn't, God bless him. Either way, stay safe, people, and um, thanks again. Bye.